And will it increase autonomy? Because mm -hmm. that was really the problem that we we're trying to solve. Yeah, you basically want to split the huge front end in yeah, several micro front ends. For the user, they shouldn't be impeded by our choices of uh, architect. Building that components library was a community. You know, eat your own dog food, as they say. So why <laughs> why should we not use the own the tools that we also give to our partners and our suppliers, so we can actually see how easy are they to use? Welcome to the Bold.com Tech Lab podcast. This episode, we look into an interesting front-end topic. Last June, I saw a great presentation of one of our guests at the meetup here at Bold.com, and I think it's interesting to share with it. It basically has the same topic as one of the blog posts our other guests published a year before that. So, Peter, what's the subject of today? Yes, the subject of today is, yeah, we call it taming huge enterprise applications. Uh, not even long ago in Bold.com, we had a few bigger applications. We refer to them as monoliths. But architects came up with a service-oriented architecture to deal with various challenges we had. In this episode, we dive into a specific area of the service-oriented architecture, the small web applications. It all started when people realized that we needed to deliver the same functionality in different frontends. For instance, content management our internal product managers and our external sellers use the same functionality. So time to introduce our guests to you who can tell everything about this challenge. Yeah, so today's uh, guests are Elinor Bakker. She's an IT architect um, responsible for the introduction uh, of the swaps, the small web applications. Back in uh, 2015, we started uh, working on that. And we have uh, Stefan Nieuwenhuis. He's a software engineer in the retailer assortment uh, domain. And you could say he's a swap advocate. He's one of the driving forces uh, behind this uh, initiative. So, uh, yeah, welcome uh, to both of you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And, uh, can you um, yeah, tell us a little uh, these small uh, web applications? Uh, what are they and what problem did they solve? Yeah, so back in the day, which is, I think, four years ago, 2015, uh, yeah, we, we already had quite a nice portal for our sellers, mm -hmm. for the partners yeah. that uh, sell their assortment on uh, Bold.com. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, we also wanted to have the same functionality available for our suppliers. Uh, so the suppliers that, that we actually buy goods mm -hmm. that we can sell on our platform ourselves. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we wanted to, or actually the business uh, said, why, why don't we uh, give them the same portal? Mm -hmm. But it was a rather large application, mm -hmm. already four teams were working in it, having quite a lot of trouble aligning. Uh, so I said, no, no, I don't think we should do that. So, so we either build something new or we look at something totally different. And we already had microservices at that time. We didn't use them everywhere. Like mm -hmm. this, for example, was a large Oracle applica application already. Yeah. Um, so we were looking into, like, how can we have the same concept, but then use it in front-end? instead of a backend application. Mm -hmm. For backend applications, it's quite normal to do this. Yeah. But this was, mm -hmm. I mean, I did some research, but I couldn't really find a lot of examples yet uh, okay. in the outside world yeah. that they did that. So we really had to think about, is this possible? Uh, and will it increase autonomy? Because mm -hmm. that was really the problem that we we're trying to solve, right? Okay. So we, all these teams were working together already in a large application. Mm -hmm. We wanted to reuse functionality but we also wanted to 
enable these teams to develop things uh, on their own pace and <laughs> innovate, exactly. perhaps simultaneously instead of sequentially. Exactly. Uh, so what, you're, what I hear you say is that the, the front-end application was kind of a monolith uh, back then, that uh, some of our <laughs> landscape on the back-end was already in services, and that we wanted to find a way to split the front-end into services so that teams could deploy independently, not have to wait for each other, all kinds of stuff like that. Is that yes. correct? Yes, correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, you basically want to split that huge front-end in... Yeah, several micro front ends, mm-hmm. tiny little yeah pieces of functionality. So that explains the small in the small web apps, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> and the web apps. So yeah, it was a bit like okay, so we need a name for this. Yeah. Now this is very bold.com, very cultural thing. Uh-huh. If it doesn't have a good name, it's not going to fly. Okay. So, <laughs> so when we thought about this subject, I was like, hmm, okay, we need a good name for it. It has to be uh, an abbreviation, mm-hmm. and so yeah, why not swap? Okay. It sounds good. <laughs> you can swap them. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very good. Hey, and then, but then, uh, when uh, splitting stuff, you uh, also have like what we call in service backend service also like cross-cutting concerns. You have you also you also have a few things that you have to arrange for all of them. Uh, for example, if you split like a larger monolith front end, how are you going to arrange uh, login? Uh, logging, all kinds of stuff like that. I think that you had to come up with something for that as well. Uh, that was the big difference, I would okay. say, from a, from a back-end application and a front-end application because uh, for a user, they they don't care about our autonomy. Mm-hmm. You know, They don't no. care that we want to split the application. They just want to have one application and they yeah. want mm-hmm. to use it in a sort of seamless way, even if they change from one process to the other process. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the biggest requirement that we set is that for the user, they shouldn't be impeded by our choices of uh, architecture. Mm-hmm. So it should be a seamless user experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and that mean, I mean, it meant that we uh, had to think about uh, single sign-on. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have single sign-on, but we did already have a big wish to do it. Yeah, okay. So for this project, it actually also accelerated uh, implementing single sign-on. Mm-hmm. So the first experiment that we did is, can we make it happen that we have uh, several applications and then with single sign-on, make it a seamless user interaction. So, but we had this, we, we had this monolith already in place for the sellers, and we already had uh, something for the suppliers. So, <laughs> how did we approach this? To, to how, how did you start it to make this work? Can you elaborate a little bit? Are you looking for an answer on uh, technical or, or uh, more of well, a you, business? Well, you, you did. You, you started the story with uh, yeah, the research you did to find yeah. out. Okay, how can we solve this? But that then you have the how, and then mm-hmm. okay. Uh, next question is how do we achieve this within the the running concerts within the monoliths we already had? Mm-hmm. What, what yeah. So what we take? yeah, it was interesting because we started. The suppliers didn't have anything yet at that moment, so they, they only used Excel files that they sent us, or okay. the FTP. Uh, so we really wanted to give them like something like a front-end that was a little bit easier mm-hmm. to use. So we started with the supplier portal, and that uh, we did that in two or three swaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then at the same time, we looked at the big monolith we already had. Mm-hmm. We said, okay, so how can we cut it into smaller uh, swaps? Mm-hmm. Uh, small pieces. Uh, yeah, smaller yeah, pieces. And, 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 and is it useful to do that? Mm-hmm. Because you always have to question... Will it actually achieve something, or is what we have good enough? So one team uh, that also created the uh, content uh, uh, flow, that the flow that p- 
people can uh, en- enhance their product information. Mm-hmm. They just tried it. They said, okay, okay, we made this now for suppliers. Let's just also put this live for sellers. Yeah. And then they liked it. Okay. They really, really liked it. <laughs> so the, the, the sellers economy. also really liked it. Uh, well, the sellers didn't notice it because okay. it was a seamless integration. So they ah, th- okay. The only thing yeah. we had to do was add SSO to the old monolith. Sorry, what is the, the SSO? Uh, oh, the single sign-on. Yeah, yeah. to yeah. add single sign-on to uh, the, the old yeah, monolith. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it could work together with the tiny application next to it. So it was still a large monolith, but one part of it was already a swap. <laughs> yeah, and, the, and, they, and the, the, the sellers could then basically move from one to the other without noticing it, yes. basically. That's what the experience Yeah, and uh, the team only had to create one application, and they yeah. just put it live for the two user groups. Yeah. So basically maybe, maybe, th- maybe it's good to just tell a bit about how the seller dashboard looks like. For uh, because yeah we oh cannot yeah, show yeah. it here. Maybe it's good to tell what, what's on the home screen. Uh, what uh, what what do we see as swaps or yeah what yeah maybe just explain. <laughs> <laughs> so what do we see on uh, the seller dashboard? Uh, well, for instance, uh, sellers need to get insights uh, of their sales, uh, insights on the status of their products, mm-hmm. insights in uh, the content. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, what you see uh, on the dashboard is basically an overview of yeah your assortment's health, okay. so to say. Yeah. And um, well, by providing those insights, um, a seller can uh, act on that. Mm-hmm. So uh, from there, you can uh, perform several actions, which will guide you to uh, different parts of uh, the portals. For example, you, um, a seller wants to have an overview of their complete assortment. Mm-hmm. Well, from the dashboard, you can uh, directly go uh, via link or via a, a trigger action, as mm-hmm. we call them, um, to uh, an overview of the assortment. Mm-hmm. And um, to elaborate a bit more on the triggers, uh, we introduced that last year. Uh, sellers uh, were really eager to um, find in an easy way uh, the, the troubles in their assortment. For so example, they wanted to do like management by exception and they wanted to know the exceptions or the outliers or stuff like that. Exactly, exactly. Why isn't my product selling? Mm-hmm. Or um, why is my content not good okay. enough? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's why we introduced triggers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and how does that relate to the dashboard? Well, on your dashboard, you see uh, several notifications, like you do on your phone, for example, mm-hmm. if you have a new email or a new app or mm-hmm. whatever, yeah. uh, you see a notification, and that notification um, well triggers, yeah. hence yeah. the name yeah. triggers, yeah. Uh, a seller to perform a certain action. And only when he goes uh, follows that trigger, mm-hmm. he, he starts using this specific web application, right? Uh, this specific exactly. swap. Exactly. He's being redirected to one of the swaps. So, And you gave this example of his assortment. So w- when you want to do something with your assortment, you enter the, I think it's called the assortment swap or something? The assortment swap. Ah. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And this assortment swap is also available for internal product managers. Exactly. Yeah. 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 A little bit later, we actually uh, uh, rolled out the same portal that we have for our partners mm. to our internal users. But uh, until then, they had been using some like older systems, mm-hmm. and we thought it would be really nice to 
um, you know, eat your own dog food, as they say. So why <laughs> why should we not use the own the tools that we also give to our partners and our suppliers, so we can yeah. actually see how easy are they to use? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So <laughs> so basically, what we said. So the people who are dealing with content uh, outside and inside uh, our company, Bold.com. Uh, should use the same tools because yeah. if it's good yeah. enough for them, it should be good enough for us as well, right? Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah there's basically no difference between yeah. the two. And did we get uh, like an increase of feedback when we started to use the swap internally because yeah, we're closer to them because it's easier to create feedback or how did yeah. that work? Oh, that's a good call. Um, well, yeah, we definitely got more feedback mm. because it's, yeah, exactly what you said. Um, yeah, we're close to our mm-hmm. internal product yeah. managers yeah. because they're colleagues. So yeah. it's easier to reach out to them mm-hmm. and it's easier for them to reach out to us. Okay. So, and, uh, well... Um, we, d- we did have to invest in that. Like So we did yeah. have to actually get this feedback and do roadshows and uh-huh. ask for feedback, constantly mm-hmm. do user, uh, how do you call that, user testing, mm-hmm. A-B testing, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So we really had to, um, yeah, we, we, when we, back in the day in 2015, yeah. we didn't have much of that in place. Mm-hmm. So True. along the, the road, we, we learned a lot about how to improve the user interaction yeah. uh, and how to really make something that users can use. And I think swaps have, uh, enabled us to innovate much faster, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah. we also had to look at a lot of the uh, how we say that the uh, the boundaries, the, the things that like, the prerequisites. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, to make it happen. Yeah. So we had to do more in the user engagement yes. to to convince them to use these uh, tools. Yeah. I think that internally we also had to learn some things about how to do this, because the internal tools that you're referring to, well, they weren't known for their usability. Uh, <laughs> and uh, To say the least. Yeah, to say the least. And um, But it yeah. did have a lot of options, what you usually Yeah, 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 yeah. they had yeah. a lot yeah, of yeah, options, yeah. Yeah. Too, and, and the users liked them for that. Mm-hmm. And how to uh, come to that again uh, and yeah. convince users to start using uh, the swap. And also yeah. to create this equal playing field. That, that's yeah. something that we're really looking into right now. Mm-hmm. We really want to... equal playing field? I mean that uh, for the internal users, they should yeah. have um, exactly the same uh, kind of functionality as the sellers. Or oh, actually, yeah, right. the sellers should have the same functionality as our internal users because, uh, yeah, Bold.com is just one of the retailers on the Bold.com platform. Yeah, yeah so that's, that's actually true. a prerequisite if you want to be a real platform. Yeah, uh, so that's yeah. one of yeah. the things that we're looking into right now. How can we make it... Uh, totally equal. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. also what Swaps helps us with, because we can give the same functionality yeah. to both user groups quite yeah. easily. Yeah, yeah. correct. In, yeah. in that sense, uh, the, 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 the user interface is like the same as the APIs from the previous episode. Yeah, you weren't there, but to explain <laughs> to our listeners where, where we are doing the same, we are offering them the same functionality as we can use internally, and the same goes basically for our user interface. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Yeah, is, is that true? Do we also connect the swaps to the APIs? Or it doesn't work? Uh, no, it doesn't it doesn't work my, like my point was that the APIs we use internally and externally for the sellers, that deliver should be the same. So yeah. it should deliver the same functionality. And the user interfaces that we use internally for content, for example, should be the same as they use. That's yeah. that's the point. Uh, mm-hmm. yes, but the swaps aren't really the backend services, right? So it is the, the, the layer between the, the front-end and the backend services. Yeah, that's quite interesting, I think. What you're saying, uh, in, the, in the future, I think the swaps should use the external API as, 
but mm-hmm. for right now, they don't okay. yet. So that's, that's but also because we don't have everything available yet in the external API. So that's something that we're working on right now. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. I, Eleanor, you said uh, that there were prerequisites that we needed to work on. Um, you already mentioned the, the single sign-on. Uh, and some other. What, what are the most important prerequisites that you needed to uh, put in place before we really could roll out the first uh, swaps? Well, there mm-hmm. are basically two. Like I think technically, it had to be really easy to create swaps. So every team that wanted to do, <laughs> and I think Stefan can can yeah. talk about it a little bit longer. <laughs> so I will talk about the second point. The second point is mostly, I think, for functionally. So but, but, but wait a minute, you say uh, uh, it should be really easy to use and to set up? Yeah. But that, that sounds like an open door. What, what, do you, what did you do for that? What did you need to I think we'll give it to stay for that. Well, uh, regarding the backend and um, well, requesting a, a swap, basically, I don't know much about that. But oh, I, I can take it. <laughs> 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 yeah. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I know more about the front-end and the yeah. autonomous nature of the front-end development teams. Okay. Yeah, so back in the day, we didn't have a cloud yet. I know, did we already have a cloud episode on this? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, so we're, we're in our journey towards the cloud right now. Mm-hmm. But when we started in 2015, uh, we actually still had our own data center. It actually mm-hmm. meant that for every, uh, every service that you wanted to use, you needed to uh, agree on, uh, on, yeah, on, on like a build that you got yeah. from uh, the SRT, like the size reliability teams that we mm-hmm. have. Uh, and that was a bit of a, of a contract and sometimes mm-hmm. a bit of a struggle. So one of the things that I did is I created a, yeah, sort of an agreement with uh, these teams that they got like a really easy template and we only had to fill in like five things and they knew exactly what to do. And that enabled us to create swaps really quickly mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and get resources for them really quickly. Yeah. But that also says that the swaps are uh, standardized. Yes. And yeah. To do to to enable. Yeah, that's, so. uh, that's yeah, the okay. other thing is that yeah. there was a uh, how would you say that? A hello world swap. You could <laughs> check out from GitHub or something. And uh, I don't know. Did we use uh, Git at that time? Probably not. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. Currently, we're using GitLab. But yeah. uh, before that, we were using an an other. So yeah. our versioning system. <laughs> 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 yeah. So it was user, yeah, you could get like a hello world swap as a development team, which had the basic uh, uh, yeah, yeah boilerplate code in there, like yeah. the single sign-on code and any kind of security thing that we uh, needed, the mm-hmm. uh, HTTP uh, connections, all the things that you needed to create a, a hello world application. And later on, some other teams, uh, they also extended that with the Excel framework. I don't know if we talked about that yet. Yeah, we did. So yeah, uh, we have an so internal cool. <laughs> uh, Excel, Excel framework for microservices. So you also get out of the box a lot of monitoring and, uh, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, all kinds of modules. Yeah. So that's what you get. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so th- that's how we made it easy <coughs> in a technical way. But for, from user experience, uh, we had to really make sure that... Uh, all the user groups that were using swaps had the same uh, look and feel mm-hmm. because we we couldn't be uh, doing a totally different layout for partners and from internal users. So we uh, yeah we had to I would say uh, centralize our UX department mm-hmm. and ask them to take ownership okay. of the of the user experience of all the swaps and all the portals. So we really had a program to put together and we called it retail tooling. Uh, mm-hmm. to put together all these user groups and say, okay, so all the tooling that we need to be really good retailers, uh, we have one UX standard for that. And that's really yeah. helped us 
to, to make decisions on the front end. And we didn't have to think about, oh, how is it going to look for this user group? <laughs> yeah, a consistent front end, basically. Yeah. Yeah, because that again would contribute to the seamless experience, right? Yes. Because you, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. cool, yeah, exactly. But that brought up quite some challenges for the developers. Yeah, could you name some of the of these uh, challenges? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, Eleanor was uh, already uh, mentioning it. Mm -hmm. uh, every development team uh, at Ball.com is extremely autonomous mm -hmm. and is completely free to pick whatever tech stack they feel most mm -hmm. comfortable with. Yeah. Uh, especially uh, in uh, well with front-end development teams. Mm -hmm. Back in the day, uh, when we started with uh, the, the portals, um, well, AngularJS was the de facto standard for um, front-end frameworks. Mm -hmm. And, well, it made uh, complete sense for every team to develop their uh, front-end applications with that particular framework. Mm -hmm. But then, um, and, well, for the UX teams, uh, it made sense because, yeah, um, we had to find a way for developers to um, make it as easy as possible to create consistent front-end applications. One um, thing was that the UX team needed mm -hmm. to create consistent designs. Yeah. And the second thing was that those designs need to be translated um, into, yeah, front-end code, basically, in yeah. AngularJS code. Um, so we came up uh, with um, the creation of a components library. Mm -hmm. And a components library yeah, is basically a huge box of Legos with mm -hmm. uh, reusable yeah, building blocks, basically, yeah. which, you combine, uh, which you can combine to create uh, front-ends with. Mm -hmm. And back in the day, yeah, we built it with AngularJS because that made the most sense. Uh, everyone was using it. But then... Yeah, Angular came out, and that was completely incompatible with Angular JS. And there we were. Yeah, <laughs> there we were exactly. Well, that was one of the huge problems we mm -hmm. were facing because we had to create a second components library because other developers, other development teams were adopting that new framework, and we had to support them in order to maintain consistency. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was a huge challenge because suddenly we had to maintain two different components libraries, which that's never easy. <laughs> no, 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 and it was undoable. Yeah. And, well, then newer frameworks came out and other teams started experimenting with them as well. And some uh, teams were experimenting uh, with vanilla JavaScript, so yeah. uh, building swaps, swap frontends without any framework. Mm -hmm. So, in theory, we had to support them all with a particular yeah, version of the components library. Yeah. So, yeah, maintenance... Well, enter maintenance hell, basically, because, yeah, it was undoable. And it was all a community effort. So, um, well... The so, a community effort means that every team had to contribute to it, but there were no uh, <coughs> strong regulation or rules saying, you have to do this, and there was, and there was no centralized thing. Exactly. That's when you mean it was a community effort. Exactly. So, everybody had to kind of do it in their spare time. That's also how it yeah. sounds, right? Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was one of the <laughs> other challenges as well. Um, yeah, so we wanted to have a components library. It made complete sense. Um, but, yeah, building that components library was a community effort. Okay. Yeah, what I really like about this is that you, that you, uh, we started this episode with what we want to achieve, so that's autonomy. But to achieve this 
level of autonomy, you need to work closely together to 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 set your uh, well maybe your framework or your boundaries, so to call them, your mm -hmm. your your, uh, uh, your standards. So that that's really interesting to realize that uh, autonomy is great, but it comes with uh, some yeah prerequisites. Nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In hey. order to have autonomy, communication is key. Yeah. yeah. Hey, and how did we solve this? Because, yeah, that there's challenges. That's okay, but our listeners want to hear how did we solve it. Good call, good call. <laughs> because yeah, at a certain point, uh, yeah, we had all those versions of the the components yeah. library, and well, there was no centralized team or centralized effort to yeah steer the development um, of that components library into the right direction. Uh, we had a UX team which made great designs for the portals. Uh, we had business stakeholders with great ideas. And then we had the community of ITs, uh, IT teams, uh, front-end development teams, basically. Um, yeah, and we had to bring those three parties mm -hmm. together in mm -hmm. a way. Um, so, yeah, there was really a need for a dedicated development team to create, um, yeah, or to... to take ownership of the components library. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that's that effort um, we started with, um, well, at the start of this year. Mm -hmm. So last year we really realized that we need uh, that that IT team. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we pitched that idea for uh, several IT MTs. Mm -hmm. And yeah, here we are. We uh, started with the team. And so that team is doing the component library and also the front end? Uh, well, uh, that team is building the uh, components library, is maintaining the components library, but that's only a small part of a bigger system. And that bigger system is a so-called design system. Mm -hmm. And the design system is basically, yeah, a set of tools, a set of guides mm -hmm. um, combined with a components library. And those components are uh, pretty well described mm -hmm. with um, a UX rationale. So, yeah, um, guides about how you want to use a certain component mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, a style guide. And a style guide is basically a set of rules or and a description of your brand. Okay. Does it enable a sort of self-service? It definitely does enable a self-service because uh, now a dedicated team is um, developing and maintaining uh, the design system. And teams are completely free to use all the components and all the services that team provides. So yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. And how's the, the interaction between the, let's say, the community of teams using these uh, components and the team that creates the components? Because I think that uh, what you typically see is that the team using <coughs> the components thinks, hey, why isn't XYZ in this component. Uh -huh, it, uh -huh. It's very logical that it's in there while the team that has been working on the components said, yeah, this, this is a good component. How is that interaction uh, working? Good call. Mm -hmm. uh, well, in that sense, communication is key again. Mm -hmm. um, well, the team uh, responsible for the design system is closely collaborating with the UX team. Mm -hmm. And uh, the UX team has a vision about um, how the portal should look like mm -hmm. and how the user experience through the several flows mm -hmm. um, should work. Yeah. So, yeah, they have the overview and they have an overview of uh, which components 
need to be in the components library. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, yeah, of course, um, the, the team needs to closely collaborate with the other development teams as well. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, they are the users. They are the customers mm-hmm. of that team. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, and if you don't listen to your customers, yeah, well, you've got a big problem. Um, because then no one uh, wants to use it anymore. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, basically you're great-looking design system with all those fancy components becomes useless. So, yeah, um, the collaboration between the teams and, uh, well, the teams res- uh, the team responsible for the design system is very closely as well. Cool. So, yeah. yeah, if they have uh, features they want to add mm-hmm. to, um, to it, um, yeah, they basically come to us and, yeah, we're discussing it with the UX team and, um, yeah, and then come to... Sometimes we add a new feature, but sometimes we say, well, isn't it better to use another set of components Mm -hmm. to achieve your goal? So it all starts with the big why. Okay, yeah, no, did, uh, for, for our listeners that this is just talk, I just recently witnessed it, uh, indeed that one of my teams needed some, uh, uh, had some questions about using one of the components um, and uh, reached out to the team and they really, Wesley really invested in uh, working together with the team and getting the stuff in that they wanted and making it available to the rest of the team as well. So that was... Uh, Really good to see that in in practice, and, and that's that that not just yeah, it's theory and no. <laughs> things we uh, we tell, but that it's actually working. That's, uh, but you were you were mentioning uh, versioning hell earlier. Yeah. So how does uh, this uh, design system uh, solve that problem? I'm very curious now. <laughs> good call. Good call. Yeah, because um, well, in the first attempts back in the days with uh, the Angular JS components library, uh, we basically had one huge package. Um, which contains that contains all the components mm-hmm. and every team well when some when uh, the version was uh, upgraded so when there were changes in the package every uh, IT team using that components library was well forced nah, it's not being forced but required mm-hmm. to upgrade mm-hmm. their complete components yeah. library yeah. and else yeah. it would break or what uh, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, uh, considering breaking changes, if yeah. um, if you're using only one or two components and they were suddenly breaking because of uh, other components yeah. were breaking which yeah. you aren't using, yeah, that's that's quite frustrating for teams. Mm-hmm. So uh, in a new setup with a design system setup, we've decided to uh, publish every component separately. So every component, um, yeah, is uh, available individually. So, yeah, people can, yeah, basically pick their set of components. Mm-hmm. So if a component that's being upgraded, um, um, which you aren't using, well, you don't have any troubles mm-hmm. with that. Is it this design system setup, is it something that it is uh, available in the market? Can we see, uh, look it up somewhere? Maybe we can share the, sh- the, the in the show notes? Uh, well, currently it's only available for uh, internal employees. Okay, this okay. is something we we de- we developed ourselves. Um, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah, the design system, the concept of the design system is um, yeah quite popular. So uh, it's yeah. it's quite known uh, in other companies mm-hmm. as well. Airbnb is using it. Um, Spotify. Okay. I think Booking.com as well, uh, other larger companies. Yeah. Um, and 
yeah, in order, one of the other things besides communication is the documentation of your components and of mm -hmm. your style guide and of your brand. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're using Frontify for. Frontify is a, a, SaaS, a yeah. SaaS application yeah. which allows uh, developers to um, add their developers' documentation mm -hmm. and UX teams and business stakeholders to add, uh, well, for example, the style guide or the descriptions of the components yeah. and the usage of the components as well. So, yeah, and that's, that's really helping us. Back in the days, uh, we had developed our own documentation tool ourselves. And yeah, it was basically a technical documentation, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. was only useful for yeah, developers, mm -hmm. for, for IT teams, yeah. and not that useful for UX teams or business stakeholders. So that was quite troublesome because no one had a complete understand, uh, understanding and a big a picture of well, what's basically in the components library and what can you um, build with it. Okay, interesting. Before we go to the closing round, <laughs> I'm really curious about this. Uh, well, I, I think we can say a success of the introduction of swaps. Uh, you said, uh, Eleanor, in 2015, we started off with the supplier portal and three swaps in it. Can you share the numbers of swaps we, uh, we have nowadays? Did you look it up or uh, because I, I couldn't? I know we have more than 60 yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah. 60? Yeah. 60, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So 60 diff different functionalities? No, no, no. I don't think they're all different functionalities because sometimes they're used in different portals. But uh, yeah, I would say uh, different uh, instances or. Uh, yeah. yeah. Different flows. Yeah. Is that, uh, no, not really flows, just that because. If you have one swap, you can uh, use it in several portals. So you will have three swaps in total. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah okay. So then. You, then yeah. Then but then I don't the count the double instances. So uh, that's just individual in application. Exactly. Yeah. yeah maybe it's yeah. good to okay. know. But I think there was probably more now because they're getting created really, really easily right now. Yeah. So. so that, uh, but that also means that uh, that there are many teams working on it. So that that's also uh, yeah. interesting to realize. Yeah. Yeah, I think currently around 15 development teams, front-end development teams, are working on uh, swaps. The swaps uh, yeah, ah. swap front-ends. And, well, that number is still growing. Yeah, so out of 100 teams we have in total. Right? Yeah, exactly. Oh. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah. let's let, let's go to the closing round. Uh, and to summarize for our listeners, can you share your most important takeaway uh, with us? Yeah, I would say... Uh, what I really liked about this whole thing is that we started small, we experimented with it, and when we found out that it solved our problems, then we built more. Mm -hmm. And and while we were building, we actually solved the problems that we encountered uh, with the UX and uh, and also the technical problems that we encountered. We had many iterations of the standard swap, and that really made it part of the community. So it's yeah. it's not an architectural thing. It's not something I think a lot of people don't know anymore that it was my idea at one point, it's now our thing. Mm -hmm. Everybody's thing. thing because everybody contributed to the success that is right now. Yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, well, to add add to that, because I completely agree, and it's, it's so cool to see um, that it became a community thing. It mm -hmm. became our thing. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, one of the most important learnings for me is that communication is key. Mm -hmm. And in order to... Uh, enhance communication between different, um, well, UX teams, IT teams, business teams. Um, you 
have to make that as easy as possible. And I think we're uh, we're not there, but I think we're definitely on a good way. Yeah. Wow. On the right track. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, yeah. Thanks, uh, Stefan and Eleanor, for for sharing your stories uh, with us. Uh, well, uh, yesterday, recently, I uh, I uh, uh, was one of the the people in Bold.com that celebrated uh, five years of uh, of being in Bold.com. Congrats! And, yeah, thanks. <laughs> and and I shared a story that uh, yeah, I wanted to be part of the team because of the great innovations we do in the company, and I shared some of them. Uh, and I didn't mention this one, but but now I think I can add this one as Should well to, to, this, to this list because it's uh, yeah, I think it's, it's an amazing story of how we work uh, to to yeah, deal with the monoliths, splitting up services, making uh, swaps with it, and uh, the way we organize it. So yeah, thanks for your uh, for your, yeah for sharing this. Anytime. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Great being here. Yeah. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. If you like the episode, check some of the others and subscribe to our feed. Go to Spotify or iTunes, search for TechLab and subscribe. Hope to meet you in our next episode. Have fun!